a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. America has long been looked to as an example of democracy, freedom, a beacon of hope, a city upon the hill. And sometimes, as Americans, we do thump our chests a little bit, and sometimes we even talk down our noses a bit to the rest of the world that we understand freedom better than anyone. But I think there's actually a lesson that all of us, as Americans, should learn from Ukrainians, an important lesson on democracy. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Of course, as we look at the constitutional republic that is the United States of America, uh, we are often looked to as that beacon of hope. And as we've often talked about on this program, to me, it's not about who's walking the halls in Washington, D.C., or who's sitting behind the Resolute desk in the Oval Office. It's much more about who's sitting around the kitchen table and who's coaching Little League or who's involved in a community fundraiser. It's all of those things that actually make the country extraordinary. And our politicians can often and regularly disappoint us. Uh, Government can let us down. But the thing that gives me hope, and I think the lesson that we're all seeing so vividly coming out of Ukraine, is that it's community, it's culture that lead. And... That's a a good reminder. Uh, There was a brilliant piece uh, on uh, CNN.com over the weekend by John Blake, uh, who actually talked about this. He talked about the Ukrainians giving some important lessons to Americans in all of this. And again, I go back to I think the important lesson is it's about community. If you look at what is taking place and how the Ukrainian people are rallying It's in those local neighborhoods. It's in those small cities that they're coming together. It's coming together as community as they're trying to get the most vulnerable out of the country and out of harm's way. Uh, America has a pretty good history of that as well. Uh, John Blake referred to the Minutemen and how they were there. It was the shot heard round the world, and it was those Minutemen in the community. They didn't have time for command and control central to make a decision. It was, we need to save our neighborhood. We need to save our community. And so they came together. And it's always been that way. 
And so as we look at some of these important lessons, I think, coming out of Ukraine, I think, you know, the first is, uh, according to John Blake, is that the most ferocious defenders of democracy are those who have been denied it. Uh, Those are the people who are really fighting for freedom because they know what it's like not to have it. And he gave a couple of examples that were really stirring uh, for me. And uh, one of those uh, had to do with World War II. And the most decorated unit in U.S. military history, the most decorated unit in U.S. military history was a Japanese-American regiment that fought during World War II. Now think about that for a minute. So these soldiers, Nisei is what they were referred to, second generation, these soldiers volunteered for combat even though they came from families that had had their property confiscated. Many were placed in internment camps by the United States government. And yet, those young soldiers went and didn't just fight and fight valiantly for America. They were the most brave, the most valiant, the most decorated unit in U.S. military history was a Japanese-American regiment. Think about that. They knew, they knew the cost should freedom fall. And so, of course, of course, they fought fierce and fearlessly. Also interesting to note that one in five Medal of Honor winners have been immigrants. Immigrants are nearly twice as likely to start a business as native-born Americans. Nearly half of all Fortune 500 companies, including Apple, Google, and Amazon, founded by immigrants or their children. And so think about that, that many, many of these immigrants left countries run by dictators or were in the middle of civil wars or political violence of one form or another, or were being controlled or manipulated uh, by government control of information. And they were all inspired by what? By these ideals of this place called America. And so when you start looking at it, uh, that's an important lesson for us. Uh, Easy for us to sit back and kind of school and scold the world that we know best when it comes to freedom. Uh, While those who have experienced that kind of awful oppression are the ones who are willing to stand up and fight the most. We've talked about that a lot over the last 12 days of what is it that would cause you uh, to stand up and take arms? What is it that would cause you to flee? Again, we need to look at the perspective of the numbers uh, as as they approach 2 million, 1.7 to 2 million refugees, I mean, that's two-thirds of the state of Utah in 12 days. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine if, even if you just saw from Salt Lake to Provo, if every single human being left. Imagine that. Where do you go? And what does that look like? Now, one of the other things that John Blake pointed out in his article uh, that was also just stellar, uh, and we'll post this today because it is worth a read. Uh, The other lesson that he says we need to get out of Ukraine is ordinary people are the true heroes of democracy. And I could not 
possibly agree more. And one of the interesting things that we've talked a lot about President Zelensky and some of his uh, powerful statements. And uh, a journalist asked him what it was like to go from being a comic actor to becoming a globally acclaimed wartime leader. That's that's quite a shift. Uh, but Zelensky was not interested. He's not interested in adding to the Western praise of his charismatic leadership. And this is what he said. He says, I'm not iconic. I think Ukraine is iconic. So again, he's talking about the people. And it's one of the things that I hope through all of this that we really come back to as a country is that our politicians rarely lead. It's community. It's culture. That's what leads. The politicians usually follow. They have their place. They have important things to do. They're part of the whole system for sure. But we shouldn't be looking to them or expecting them to deliver it to us. It starts in your home, in my home, in your neighborhood, in my neighborhood, in your community, in my community, and we multiply that out, uh, and that's how it works. It's why I have such great confidence in the future of the country. It's not because I have confidence in the government or that I have confidence in political leaders. It's because I have confidence in the American people. And on the things that truly matter, those things that matter, they matter to the vast majority of the American people. And we need to remember, because as we've talked before on this program, that which we ignore or forget, our children may never know. And what our children don't know our grandchildren are unlikely to possess. We've got to remember. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.